appearance by Olaf himself, and he loves the summer. It's a good thing because it's Fourth of July in Florida, so it's it's he's gonna get summer. No, it's awesome. Um, but text the word if you. We we do have limited space to join the team, but we would love to have to fill up those spaces. Text the word parade to our texting church number three five two four four one three zero one six, and then you can join, be part of the be part of the team, and they they're gonna have something. They're gonna have popsicles, right? That's the word, popsicles. Popsicles to hand out and some other things as well. So it's going to be fun. We're going to we're going to promote kingdom. You know, this is not about advertising a church. This is about having a redemptive value, a message of redemptive value, and and that's what we want to take to the to our community around us. So this is just the start of of a few. Um, well, not the start, but it's it's one of the many outreaches and things that we're going to be doing in our community. So a really big shout out to all the parade um, to parade the outreach team that have been working hard and making things happen and. And uh, join in. Like I said, text the word parade to that number, and uh, we'd love to, to have you be part of the crowd. Amen. Cool. Well, I'm excited. Today uh, is a lot, a, lot, a lot happening. So just so that some of you may remember, some of you have been with a with uh, uh, Family Bible Church back in the day before it changed its name to Lake Haven Church, may remember Carol Burdick. Um, Carol Burdick went home to be with the Lord a little while ago, and, and um, if you remember Carol, there's going to be a, a special celebration of life service after our service today at noon, so if you would like to stay, you are welcome to stay for the celebration of life service, otherwise there will be a countdown just to let you know um, after the, the service finishes, just to let you know, where, um, but it, it should start uh, probably around about noon, so feel free to stay if you would like to stay for um, that Probably will not be a long service, but that's going to happen straight afterwards. I just wanted to mention that you guys are welcome to do that. Amen. Amen. So, um, I, you, how many of you were here last week? You remember, Carol, Carolyn was yeah, a friend of mine from born in Australia. Carolyn is awesome. You know, Tim found a picture. I, I should not show. I, in fact, I'm glad I don't have that picture with me. She, he sent me a picture of me and Carolyn back when I was 21, and Carolyn, I mean, Carolyn's like, and it, you will not believe what we looked like back then, so you could tell it was a few years ago. In any case, Carolyn and I go, go way back, and, and Carolyn is serving the Lord in the Middle East and, and um, in doing things there, and it's just, it's just awesome uh, to see what they're doing, but she had a really profound word that I, that I encourage you, if you, do, if you weren't here last week, please go and listen to it. Because I've been ministering about your purpose, um, power for your purpose, and this has been a topic that's, that's been heavy and strong in my heart, because you and I are called to have a divine significant purpose. And many people in the world are struggling around, and they don't know why they're here. They have, quote-unquote, no purpose why am I here is a common question that you see in the world. And it doesn't matter how rich somebody is, you can see people that have become extremely wealthy have got no purpose. Famous people, famous people have committed suicide because they do not find purpose, even in their gifting, in their calling. They can have millions, literally millions or hundreds of millions of dollars and still have no purpose. There's an advantage to being rich. Sometimes you learn that money doesn't make it happen, right? And, and that's what so many people have. But you are called to a purpose. You know, our, our, our mission statement that we have there, reaching people with God's unconditional love, establishing believers in Christ and connecting them to His cause. So there, it is important that we as believers understand that there is a cause that we are connected to. 
Like, we, like T was saying, we are connected. This is a kingdom cause, and, and, and you and I have a role to play in the kingdom. So Carolyn was talking last week, and she was, saying, and she was talking about how some of us are called to uncomfortable situations. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> remember that old song, please don't send me to Africa. Remember that, that old song? Some of you remember there was that song that you, everybody thinks gonna, you're going to get sent somewhere that you don't want to go. And, and it's like, oh, come on. You know, it's so much fun to serve God in His kingdom. Because when you find your place in the kingdom... You are going to feel, you're not only going to feel significance and find significance, but it will all make sense to you. In fact, as a believer, if you call Jesus Lord of your life, you only find cause and significance in playing your role in the kingdom. That does not mean that you resign from whatever you do. If you work at 7-Eleven or whatever job you have, you can find, if that's what God has called you to, Ultimately, and that's part of his kingdom, having that as part of the kingdom purpose that you're called to will bring you huge significance because you will go to work with a different motive than just trying to make Friday. Just trying to make a paycheck and then trying to entertain yourselves. This world is just trying to, and I mean, the world does a good job of keeping people distracted with trying to entertain themselves and keep busy and stay busy. But no, you will find absolute purpose for your life when, when you find it inside His kingdom cause. It, absolutely. You know, I, I, I used this illustration a while back, but when I was doing crusades um, with, with Ed and um, Word of Life World Outreach, we were doing southern and central Africa, and we were, we were working at the place. So we, we did a lot of work in, in Mozambique. Now, Mozambique at the time had gone through a major, like, 30-year civil war, and there were two factions, and it just was sort of tail-ending of the civil war. And, and the northern part of Mozambique, Mozambique is this long country um, on the east coast of Africa, southern Africa, and it stretches right down from South Africa all, all the way up um, to past it, um, touches on Tanzania and so on. And in any case, so the northern part of Mozambique is actually very jungle. It's like swamp, like jungle, jungle. The southern part um, where, uh, you know, which Maputo and things like that is. A lot of work, you know, a lot of Christian work is often done in cities, but very little work is done in the jungles. So Ed had this, God sent, he had this, this, this God idea because what had happened was refugees had fled out of the jungles to escape the civil war. There were, there were mines. In fact, I have some of the mine signs that, uh, you know, beware of mines and things like that. We worked in towns that had landmines and anti-personnel mines and, and things like that. And, and so a lot of the people had fled out of the jungles into southern Malawi just to find refugee status and just to live in somewhat peace and stability. But these people were like jungle people. I say that because they were totally uneducated. They, it, it, was, it was fascinating. So th- there was these refugee camps in southern Malawi, and Ed had this God-given idea that he was going to, we were going to go and do some crusades while these jungle people were there in these camps. And some, one of those camps were like, there was a hundred and something thousand people. In fact, there were one or two that had over a hundred thousand people in it, and some had about 70,000 people. And so we did crusades. We went there, and it was It was the Shiri River, which is that part of Africa is well known for being extremely, extremely hot. And and it was one of the most uncomfortable sets series of crusades we did. And we had a lot of opposition. We it was 
baking hot. You know that feeling, if you've ever done baking at your, and you open up your oven and you put your face there and that heat wave just like hits you, you know what that, that's how it felt. I kid you not. It was hot. I mean, I, I got so dark. I, I, I could comp easy compete with tea, just, just so you know. I, I tell you what, man, it was, it was baking hot. We had guys that, were, that, that came and joined us for a while. They would just sit underneath the stage in the day because they were just trying to escape from the heat. And, you know, it was just one of those days. It was so hot. But I tell you what, God met us there because we went and, and, and not, not just met us there, but he, he was behind us. The word of God, the simplicity of the word of, that I preach to you today is the same word that we preach to those people there. And signs and wonders. We saw, one day we saw 12 blind people healed. 12. 12 blind. We saw people. We had such opposition, man. We had a hurricane blow through. They were like a little tornado. Tear down our speaker system. And things like that happened. So we, by the end of three weeks, we were exhausted. We were done. We were spent. And, and we were... Sounds like Big Ben's in the town. Yeah. So I was like... Anyhow, um, it, was, it, it, was, it was one of those things that... Anyhow, long story short, but there was, we had this three-cylinder Lombardini 27-kilowatt diesel generator that used to power our crusades because when you go to places like that, guess what? There is no electricity. You know, and, and it's, it's amazing. The pastors, even the pastors that called themselves pastors, there was no Bible in their language. So they, they were preaching to people from hearsay. They, when I, I would teach pastors, and I would ask them, I said, do you know about you know, the Holy Spirit? And they'd look like, they'd never even heard of the Holy Spirit. It was so incredible. I mean, to, the, the amount of, uh, that you could, and this is people, this is all over the world. You, you, you realize that there's places like this everywhere. So we were, we were so spent anyhow, this, this, our, our poor three-cylinder Lombardini, um, um, which is an Italian uh, Engine, in any case, this kilowatt, this, 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 we were so hot and we were so tired. And so Ed says to us on the last night, he says, you know, Shannon, he says, just start up that generator so we can run a fan tonight. So we, 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 we crank up the generator and I, we, we, we like have this heavenly breeze. We, we, we take electric, because you see, the only times we can run electric fans is when we crank up that 27 kilowatt generator. And so, so, at, so at night, we were like, for the first time, we've actually got a breeze on our face. It's like, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's like we feel like we've died and gone to heaven just to have a fan on our face. But, you know, the, the, morning, the morning came, and I stepped out of the, the, the truck that, we was, that, that I was sleeping in, and, and around our little three-cylinder, I say little, it's a big old thing, three-cylinder Lombardini diesel generator was an oil pattern. A big old oil, and if you know anything about generators and engines, that's not a good sign. Because this is your power. This is your workhorse. That powers every, gen this powers every crusade, and it's not a cheap thing. And so what we found out, come long story short, is after I got it back to South Africa and towed it back, um, back into the in-country, and we had it seen, the, 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 it was spent. We had killed the generator, basically, because we had run, we had run like... A thousand, maybe not even a thousand, maybe 500 watts of power on something that was designed to carry 27 kilowatts. And the guy looked at us in disbelief. And he says, don't you know that you, when, you, when you run a diesel generator like this, especially diesel, you have to run it at 80% load at least. 
Well, I didn't know that. So I'm one of the reasons everybody has to give more to missions because I blew up, I blew up generators. I, I, you know, I, it's like we didn't know that. So, but, but, but my story, it was an illustration to me because God showed me something in that. He said, you know, when you're living beneath your means, it's not good. You see, you, you're, you are created unto good works. You were built and designed unto good works. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You were designed to live a certain way. That's why when you live a certain way, when you find your purpose in kingdom cause, it feels like a hand-in-glove experience. Why? Because it is. That's what you were made for. That's what you were designed for. You weren't designed just to get by paycheck to paycheck. You were designed to play a role in kingdom cause. Some of you, yes, go on a, go on a mission trip. We've got a mission team leaving soon. They're busy prepping. Dr. D is, 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 is training, finishing off a team, and, and, and they're going back to Mozambique. And there's, there's probably, there's gonna, there's, we often go to Mozambique because it's nearby, and it's relatively inexpensive, and there's a lot of good work, and we've got some good missionary hosts over there, but there's lots of mission opportunity to get involved in. Go on a trip. Go and experience a mission trip. I can't say that enough. If it's one thing that just to experience, to see beyond your normal world, to it, and to come, it just gives you perspective. It gives you a paradigm. But let me tell you again that I'm not saying that everybody's got to become a full-time missionary or a full-time evangelist. Yes, some of you are called that way. And you don't know that yet because you have to move in a direction. You have to trust God and walk in a direction. And you find out something. You know, you can go on one of these trips or go into something and you can, you can experience a nudge saying, you know what, you should go to Bible school. Or maybe you should do some course or maybe you should go back on the mission field or try some. And one thing always leads to another. As you hear me say all the things, that you don't fall into things. You take steps into things. We have this idea that things are going to just happen per chance because if it's God's will, it will just happen. No, 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 no. You have to make God's will. You and Jesus, and we, I say this often, we have to work with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to go into that passage this week again, but in Romans 8, when it says that, that He helps us in our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us in the weakness that's soon anti Lambano. He helps us to obtain things. He doesn't do the work. He helps us to do the work. But if we don't make decisions, if we don't team up with them, if we don't say, this is the reason I'm going to give. I'm going to give towards missions. I'm, this, because it, you know how many people say, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, God's called me to, to, to support missions. I tell you, I've sat with so many missionaries and, media, and, and ministers. So many of them said, if I had a penny for every time somebody said that to me, that is a blight on the church, Amen. not our church. Lake Haven is super generous. Everybody here, I mean, you, you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's, that it's that, guys, there is a kingdom of purpose to be done. You know, in Jesus, when Carolyn was talking last week and she mentioned the, 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 the Great Commission, which we call the Great Commission, right, in Matthew 28, um, and you know it well, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So some people and many people have actually said it's not a, it's a it's a almost a cliche, but this was this was called the great that was called the great commission. It wasn't called the great suggestion. We're we're called to play this role. And again, let me just say it: you just you are designed to for a purpose. It is your purpose you are particularly designed to fulfill, and you have to walk that out with you and the Holy Spirit to find and locate your place in the kingdom because you have a role. You have a, a, a role, and the kingdom needs you. I should have the Uncle Sam hat, you know. You know, it's like the kingdom needs you. We need you to fulfill your role in the kingdom, and I'm telling you, you can hear Bible teacher after Bible teacher. If you look at, at and, and, and you look at what is being said in Scripture, we are at the very end of the end. Amen. When you see this times, perilous, in, the, in these last days, you're going to look at it in the, in, study it in Thessalonians. In these last days, perilous times will come. If you study that out, these last days, these last of these last days, perilous times will come. And then it goes and gives a description. Man, you can look at a news broadcast and read that passage in Thessalonians and you're like, hmm, wow. I'm telling you, there is a, we, we are called for such a time as this. But guess what? God knows you and you are going to find purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction in what you're doing. I'm not telling you to do something or not asking you to do something. I'm just asking you to be encouraged to hook up for what you are designed to do. Amen. So we see that, you know, that, that when Jesus said, he said that the kingdom is ripe, and right? He, he says that in, in John 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, sorry, I'm reading 34, to accomplish this work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. The time, the time is now. You know, I'm I, I spent a couple of days um, with Pastor Greg Moore and, and at a minister's conference up in, in um, Birmingham this week at, an, at an, a regional army conference. Pastor Greg was speaking over there, and he said these words, and I'll let you judge this. He said, don't let the finished work of the cross make you feel exempt from the unfinished work of the church in these end times. Don't let, the, don't let the finished work of the cross. You see, what Jesus has done in redemption is a finished work. Your and my redemption has been earned. We have been redeemed. We've been forgiven. We've been given all these things. But there is an unfinished work that we have been given, that the Holy Spirit has charged us with and sent us with. That is what the Great Commission is going. Go into all the world. Or as you know, Mark 16, and he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel to the whole world or to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, that, you know, people, I used to read that and be such a legalist that I would say, oh, I've got to be a preacher. Everybody's got to be a preacher. No, you've got to facilitate the preaching of the gospel. We have so many volunteers. I forget how many volunteers, 70-something volunteers at Lake Haven. You're helping to preach the gospel. When Bert came over from South Africa and left his sons in South Africa and is coming here to sit in the back room and help get this out, he is helping facilitate the gospel to the world. You see, 
We, we have to be part of this. There is a, there's an element of understanding this, that work is not yet done until Jesus comes back. And, and, and that could happen any time. That could happen any time. And we're encouraged to be, to be faithful sons. In fact, our, this passage in, of Scripture, in, I, d- I didn't put it in my, my notes earlier, but Proverbs 10 verse 5 says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who brings shame. Now, that doesn't sound like a really nice scripture, that if we sleep during the harvest, we bring shame. But this is truth. It's, 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 so if we ignore the harvest, it can be shameful. But listen, take heart. It doesn't say if you sleep during the harvest, you're not a son. You don't lose your sonship by not participating in the harvest. But it does bring shame because there is a harvest and, and listen, people, this is not small potatoes. It's not like, oh, well, we can get involved in it or not. This is Jesus that's given us the commission. He, he, the, you know that do you, you, you and I, not very long ago, would never walk into a church building. We were lost. We have a, we have a world out there that doesn't even know if they're a boy or a girl. And I'm telling you, like I said before, I'm not going to go and harp on it, but we don't hate people because they're blind and they can't see. Those are lost goose in a snowstorm. They don't know which way is up. And they're not going to. They are not going to live by our standard of righteousness. That's not to say that we shouldn't vote and that we shouldn't be there, but we, we, I'm telling you, the only way is the power of the gospel to the world. That's the only way that will bring people. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when that, when, as the gospel brings the light of, the, of, of His good news, of His great love for people, when people know, oh my gosh, this is how good God is. You know that most churches don't know how good God is. And you heard me, I've spoken about the goodness of God so many times. But the goodness of God is immensely good. He is so good that it says, taste and see that God is good. You know, that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life, that God is good. And, And there's so much of the world that doesn't even know what that means. We have got to take them, this, this message of the finished work the, that, that, to the world. But that's our part. We have to work together as a body with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to you. God will use us. These signs will follow them. He will use us. We will, and we are seeing, we've already got testimonies over here of miracles. But I'm telling you, when we hook up and we get behind God's plan, He always works with us to accomplish His things. But you know what's sad? Is that as soon as we see dramatic miracles, people rush to come and see the miracles. Which is nice. But that's, we don't chase miracles. We, chase, we, we follow, we receive Jesus. It's, 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 the miracles are, are just God's being good. God, you know that God will do miracles to sinners. We are going to go, you and I are called to go and lay hands on sinners and heal them before they get saved. I will show you that in time to come. You don't have to get saved to, be a, to get healed by God. You want to see when Jesus sent out the 72? 
told him, go and heal the sick and then preach the kingdom. <coughs> what? Yep. And they weren't even saved yet. They had the power to go and... Yeah, never mind. I, we, we, we've got an exciting cause to get behind the greatest of all causes. I've, you've heard me say this, the definition, it's, you can have a vision statement, but a cause is something that causes so much greater, so much more motivating. So much, it causes something that you live your entire life for, that you breathe for. It causes something that you're so passionate about, you're willing to lay your life down for. That's a cause. Otherwise, you just have a vision. And everybody's got their own vision. Listen, no, there's one calling, Jesus. We all have a part to play in Jesus' calling. In Jesus' calling. Anyhow, so, you know, you know, God's purpose and intention is so important to understand. Uh, you know, um, if you don't understand somebody's purpose or if you don't understand the intention behind what they say, you will misunderstand what they're saying. I'm going to say that again. If you don't understand the intention or the motive by when somebody is saying something, doing something, or communicating something, you will totally not understand what they're saying. The same words by different people, same words, with a different intention can mean totally different things. I used that example of, uh, a little while ago, maybe a month or so ago. I said like if you were sitting at a table with Al Capone and some guys and, and he looked out at one of his big boys in the corner with a baseball bat and said, you need to go and take care of him. <laughs> you would know that didn't mean go and care for the guy. <laughs> Even though that's what he said. His motive and his intention comes through and, he's in, in, and you, would, you, you see what you hear what I'm saying? But you know, we as believers and as church members and as the world out there, they have got such a screwed up idea of who God is because of their hurt, because of how they've been taught what sovereignty is. Listen, I believe in the sovereignty of God. But if you think that sovereignty of God means that God can change his mind... Oh, today I feel like this. Oh, no, no, today I feel like that. Today I'm going to give them something. Oh, today, tomorrow I'm going to break their leg to teach them something. Oh, to, it's like they think that's what sovereignty means. No, God is sovereign because he is, he is the preeminent one. He is the one who created. He is true to his character and nature permanently. He rolled out. He says what's up and what's down, what's boy and what's girl, what's married and what's not married. That's his way is the only way. We're the ones that have to align with him. It's not the other way around. We're not gods unto ourselves. But you see, we create God in our image. We project onto God what we've been taught, our traditions. We project and we say, because of our hurts, pains, faults, failures, we project onto God and say, well, God really is mean. With what we really believe. We project, oh, God is legalistic. Oh, God is going to... Because we do not understand his motives and his intentions by what he speaks. When you understand the motive and intentions that he always is and how he speaks, you will understand, oh, well, I never knew he meant that. Because you finally understood his motives and his intentions. That's when Jesus says, and we use the scripture often in John 17, verse 3. He 
He says, this is eternal life, Jesus said, that they may know you. The only true God. There is only one. There is only one. There are not multiple roads to heaven. There is only one creator. And his son, he said, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. As Paul said in Acts 2, there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. But that's knowing him. I want you to understand that. We're called to intimately know him and introduce people to him. To introduce people to him. And so when we know who God is and we know his motives and we know his intentions, you, un- you hear him differently. You know, you, you, I, I don't want to get, you've heard my, my story. Some, many of you who've been here for a while have heard my story about the language that God speaks. If you, I, I'm, I'm multi- I'm multilingual, and so it's, you know, I was born speaking, well, born speaking, no. <laughs> I wasn't born speaking, I promise you. <laughs> I was raised to speak two languages, English and Afrikaans, and, and it's, I, I could get confused which, which language I was listening in. It can get confusing sometimes. I remember reading something in, in, on, a, on a gate in South Africa, and, and, it, and it said, pass up in Afrikaans, and it said, uh, or, or, no, no, it was gefar. It was uh, gefar in, in Afrikaans, it was danger in English, and it was um, uh, in Zulu, it was, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even remember. So my brain just went, clear. and, and I, I read the Zulu word, and I understood it as the Zulu word. Oh yeah, uh, Ngozi, that's right, Ngozi, it was like, Ngozi is like the Zulu word for danger, and, and I was like, oh, Ngozi is Zulu, and then for some reason my brain switched and I, I read the Afrikaans word as the English word. So I read Gefar and my brain, my brain thought I read it in Afrikaans. I mean, sorry, I read it. Sorry, I saw the Afrikaans word and my brain thought I read it in English. Wow. So I was like, oh, the English word, Gefar. And then I tried to read the English word in Afrikaans. And I was, Danger. What is Danger. And I was puzzling. I mean, and it was funny because I puzzled over it for a while. Danger. I, I've never heard that word before. And it was like when, I, when my lightning, not so lightning fast mind realized what I had done, I felt very stupid. I was like, but, but it was interesting that I was trying to hear, I was trying to, I was listening in the wrong language. It's the same thing. If you don't understand the language that God speaks, you can't hear him. Not only can you not hear him, he who dwells, part of the triune God, the spirit of God that we've been talking about here, who's going to empower you for the purpose that he has, you can't hear him. He who's going to work with you, he who's going to lead you and guide you, he's going to motivate you, he is going to be speaking a language. And if you don't understand the motives and intention and the language he speaks, you will not understand him. You see, he speaks a language, and that language is a language of love. God is love. He speaks a language of love. Now, that doesn't mean, many of us, we don't even understand the word love, because as soon as somebody says the word love, they hear the word nice. Nice. I hate that word, don't you? Sometimes it's nice. God is not nice. Sorry, I don't know how else to put it more ridiculously. Listen, the love of God can be nice. 
But it can also feel very harsh. Can feel, can feel, at the time, it can feel very harsh. But it always has the motive of intention of blessing you and taking you somewhere better. Now, don't hear what I'm saying and say, oh, you see, Shannon just said you can break your leg. No, that's not what I said. Breaking somebody's leg doesn't teach them anything. But I tell you, when Jesus looked and loved the rich young ruler, and he said he looked at him and loved him and said, this is what you lack. Sell everything. Sell everything. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Disciple number 13, invitation. He had an, he an apostolic calling. Some people actually believe that's John Mark. Some, some people teach that. I don't know. He had an apostolic calling. It says the rich man went away sad because he had much. He couldn't, he couldn't receive that. Was that nice? Did that feel nice to the rich young ruler at the time? No, I'm sure it didn't. Now, did Jesus go around to everybody and say, sell everything that you have? No, 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 no. He had people supporting his ministry. There were, there were, there were wealthy business people around him. Luke was a doctor and this guy and the ladies that supported him and Lydia and her cloth merchant company and blah, blah, blah. There were a lot of people. He didn't sell. That was, you see, you can take things out of context as so many people often do, and say, everybody's got to sell. No, that's not what it's saying. That's not what he's saying. But it was what that rich young ruler had to know because he knew, Jesus knew, that money was in the way. He was serving mammon. As much as he thought he was serving God, he was held captive by mammon. And Jesus, because he loved him, looked at him and loved him and said, this is the way out for him. This was the way out for him. Give your money Come follow me. How would you feel if God asked you that? Do we love Jesus enough? Do we love the kingdom cause that much that we would actually consider that? No, 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 Shannon. I rebuke that in the Jesus name. <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm telling you, this life is minuscule, remember? Eternity is long. You're preparing for eternity. If all you're living for is 100 years on this planet, you're hopelessly undershooting. Your ladder is leaning against the wrong wall, as Stephen Covey would say. You need to be building forwards. Jesus said, you should be so easy. You, you should be building up for that which lasts eternity. Moth, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Build for yourself, save for yourself, heavenly riches. I mean, that's just what Jesus said. I don't know how you feel. <laughs> Listen, guys, if you're hearing guilt and manipulation, I'm not. I'm not asking for an offering. We're not even going to take up an offering. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about kingdom cause. You are called for a purpose and a cause. But... This is it. You've got to hear that God is, God has a language and He has a language. He is love. So that's why when we say reaching people, our number one um, on our mission statement, they're reaching people with God's unconditional love. To know that God loves somebody is preeminent. That you, do you know that if you never did another thing for God, do you know that His love will never change for you? 
If you never lifted a finger for the harvest, do you know that His love would never change for you? Do you know that His redemption power that, would, that has purchased all your health and wholeness and your provision would, always, would still be yours if you never gave another tithe? If you never gave a penny to this church or any other preacher on, the, on TV again, do you know that God will still provide for you? Oh, Shannon, that's not what I heard. God looking after, he was made rich for my sakes. I mean, he, was, he, who was, he, he became poor for my sakes so that I could become rich. That is my redemption. There is a principle of sowing and reaping. But it's, it's, above, it's above. Sowing and reaping is above and beyond redemption. It is a place. If I sow generously, I am going to reap generously. No matter what I sow. If I sow judgment, good measure pressed down, shaken together will come back my way. You be mean. You be mean and miserly, guess what's coming back to you, people? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's a principle that Jesus was teaching. It will come back to you. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 specifically does talk about money. Given, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. Oh, that's not that. Sorry, that's Luke 6. It says that if you sow generously, will reap generously. That is talking about money there. You can't get around it. But I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about that. It's like you, if you associate, if you give to try and get, then you don't understand your redemption. If you try and get your needs met, you can corrupt your heart because you're trying to feel like I've got to buy these things from Jesus. That is dead works. You don't buy nothing from Jesus. It's just a principle. If you sow generously, if you get a generous heart, if you access generosity in your heart, it's to acquire a generous heart. A generous heart in anything, not just money, people. The money, think about it. Generous with your time. Be generous towards people. Be generous with hospitality. Be generous with people. Anyhow. <laughs> I don't have enough time to go into all of these things. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just want to, there is so much centrality of the love of God that I don't have time to go into today. I'll, I'll carry on next week. But, but understand, the centrality of the love of God is so foundational in Scripture. You can't escape it. And you have to be rooted, like Ephesians 3 says, you have to be rooted and grounded in the length, breadth, height, and depth of His love so that you can be filled to all the fullness of God. You have to know He loves you. Not like you've seen me, not know here. Oh, yeah, I know God loves me. No. You have to know He loves you. You've got to know that He operates in love. And, and, and I, have so, I have a pile of scriptures here that, that, that I would love to, to unpack with you. Because, again, we're talking about the power for your purpose and, and understanding, uh, just to connect us here, you, you, when you understand God loves you so desperately, so incredibly, and, and he, that, that, when that takes hold of your heart, you're going to be working much closer with the Holy Spirit in your heart. You will be hearing Him clearer because compassion and love is the very thing that motivates and moves you into purpose. So I'm going to leave that one for next week. Is that all right? Sorry, to kind of, I kind of feel like I'm halfway through a message, but... Oh, well. <laughs> Don't worry. In Africa, we go for six hours. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's also not good. <laughs> Anyhow, let's just, let's just focus on Jesus for a minute here.
Spiritus Holy Spirit, we thank you that you speak to our hearts and that we hear your heart of heaven, Lord. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you move and you confirming signs. You confirm your word with signs right now. And Lord, I believe, you know, the Lord will confirm signs. We don't have to come. We don't have to lay hands on you or anything. But if you have pain in your body, just present that to the Lord. Just let it go. Don't wait for him to heal it. He has. I just speak to pain, back pains. Tell it to leave. Go. I pain to leave. I just tell it to leave. Discomfort, bowel discomfort, I just tell it to leave. I just speak peace. speak peace. Father, I just speak. I just see destinies unfolding. Not only in our youth, but here, destinies unfolding. Father, I speak rejuvenation into vision, a rejuvenation into cause that we abandon our downward looking and we follow what you said, Jesus, when you said, lift up your eyes and see. The harvest is white. So we choose to do that. Is, that. is that what you choose to do? Do you choose to lift up your eyes and see the harvest? Do you, will you hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you? What is Jesus saying to you? You have a unique and beautiful and significant role to play. God loves you more than you can imagine. Even more than you can imagine. But it's a beautiful journey to, to hook up with Him. Matthew 11, He said, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. His yoke, His teaching, His burden is light. But we have to come to Him to learn of Him. Will you? Will you choose to hook up and learn from Jesus? Will you let the Holy Spirit be your teacher along this journey? Just say, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me. If you need a fresh revelation of God's love for you, just open your heart to that. I just speak to hearts that need a fresh revelation in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are revealing them. That scripture and people and circumstances, whatever, Lord, we just thank you. Just speak a fresh revelation of love. And along with that, you can, <laughs> I just see so much joy and peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you for doing your work, Holy Spirit, as we choose to walk work with you and walk alongside you. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
if you're not one of God's people yet, you can be one. You know, all you need to do is just say this. Just, just say in your heart, if you're not a Jesus person yet, you just say, you know what, Jesus, I, I know you died for me. I believe you were raised on the third day and I, I, make, I choose to make you Lord. Be the savior of my life. And he will. And come and speak to one of our prayer counselors or if you're watching online, just text the word prayer to that number on your screen and we'll be in touch with you. Amen. Amen. Let us, please don't go home. Let us put something in your hands if that's a decision you've made.